everyone. I'm Rob Thomas with Club Resort Business, and welcome to another episode of Club Resort Talks. Today's episode is sponsored by Fiberbilt Umbrella and Cushions. For more than 20 years, Fiberbilt, Fiberbilt has been manufacturing shade products, bases, and cushions for country clubs and resorts. Popular models for the club market include the Signature Prestige Collection with one-piece poles, heavy-duty hubs, and powder-coated and proprietary fiber teak simulated wood finishes. Fantastic. Learn more at FiberBuiltUmbrellas.com. Now that we got our intro out of the way, let me introduce Phil Karen, our senior editor. Phil, how's it going? I'm doing well, Rob. How are you? Oh, I couldn't be better. Hey, um, Great. Real, real quick, understand that you spent a little time in uh, your home state of Michigan. What's going on up there? I did, indeed. I uh, got a chance to visit uh, the Warren Valley Golf Course in Dearborn Heights, Michigan, uh, this past Monday, August 14th, uh, which is, yeah, about about 30 minutes from where I grew up in uh, in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Uh, so I had a chance to stop up and visit my parents and then uh, continued on to the, to the course. The course itself, about 19 miles from downtown Detroit, 10 miles from Detroit Metro Airport. Uh, what would be of most of interest to to folks in our world, though, is this course was designed by Donald Ross in 1922, opened in 1923. Uh, they actually had an outing this uh, earlier this summer to celebrate their 100th anniversary. Uh, course right now is being operated by Revive Golf Management in cooperation with the city of Dearborn Heights. Um, there had been 36 holes on the site, an east course and a west course. Both courses actually closed last year. Uh, they were not in good shape. There had been flooding problems, some other issues. This year, the West course uh, was reopened in late April and uh, the pro shops reopened as well. And meanwhile, Banquet Center and Clubhouse are all under construction and they're looking to open in spring 2024. Sounds like it's gonna be fantastic. Obviously there's a lot of work there going on right now. Uh, plans though for a steakhouse, a cigar bar, uh, also out on the areas where the East Course used to be, uh, driving range and a chipping pitching green is planned out there as well. Um, a gentleman named Brian Bedsworth, who supervises the starters and rangers, of course, gave me a fantastic tour. And I tell you, Rob, the man loves golf. The man appreciates the history of golf, appreciates uh, what Donald Ross was doing with the golf course. This is not a long golf course at all. Uh, from the back tees, it plays just over 6,100 yards. So you don't have to be a long hitter to score well. However, you do have to hit the ball straight and you have to hit, uh, you have to be an excellent putter for sure. Cause we were, we tried out a few spots there and yeah, it's some very challenging putting and not just off the tee, but also approach shots to the green. You gotta be, right down Main Street with those shots because the greens are smaller. They're often guarded by bunkers. If they're not guarded by bunkers, um, there isn't really anywhere you can miss. You sometimes have woods behind the green, other longer rough even off to one side or the other. So it, it's tough stuff. It's a heck of a good golf course, but I appreciate the folks out of Warren Valley showing me around. I think it's gonna be an excellent facility I mean, the course itself, I think, considering it had been closed last year due to being in poor condition, I think it looks great. It really does. I mean, if you judge it that way, um, I know the people who are running it obviously still wanted to do much, much more to get it up to up to par, if you will. 
but I think they're doing a great job there. It's exciting to, to watch and I'll have more stuff to, to share on social media. And of course, this uh, story will be in our September issue of Club and Resort Business. Wow. Hey, that sounds fantastic. Donald Ross is known for his uh, small and very tricky greens. Uh, legend in the uh, in the field, obviously. Um, while we're talking about designers, I want to say rest in peace to Ron Kirby, uh, an ASGCA fellow who uh, passed away today, as a matter of fact, uh, August 17th, as we're recording this, uh, 90 years old, um, wonderful, wonderful man. His last work was done at Apes Hill Barbados, uh, where he did the golf course and practice facility, I believe like a Himalaya style uh, putting course as well. Um, worked right up until he was, he was overseas right now, right. Uh, working when he passed, unfortunately. So, uh, you know, God, God rest his soul. And, um, you know, on to, on to greener pastures. Uh, he's in a better place. Um, as with maybe he can consult with Donald Ross and, and build one heck of a golf course up in heaven. huh? That would be something, wouldn't it? That'd be fantastic. Hey, I also noticed, uh, today we posted an article about a pickleball country club that's planned for, um, Indiana, Carmel, Indiana, I believe. Uh, what, what have you heard anything about this pickleball club? Well, yeah, just like you said, it's going to be uh, exclusive, as, as I understand it, uh, the first one in that area, I think, a, a pickleball country club, if you will, Rob. Uh, so I think that's going to be a, an exciting thing. As we know, pickleball has become a hugely popular sport in our country. And uh, yeah, pickleball focused country club there in yeah, Carmel, Indiana, Pickle on Penn. That's why I had to find the name of there real quick. Pickle on Penn, it's going to be opening here later in the year in Carmel, Indiana. Um, and there's going to be, what, eight indoor courts there. Um, some amenities, restaurant, full kitchen and bar. Looks exciting. Looks like something that should um, hopefully uh, fit the needs of all the pickleball players out there. I still have yet to try. It's funny we're talking about this today, Rob, because my son uh, was actually his cross-country practice the other day and they uh i guess for they at the end of practice like to have some fun with some things and park over here they have pickleball courts and they gave pickleball a try and had a lot of fun with it um it was kind of humorous though because my son actually shared that the one of his teammates uh grandmothers took them on in a, in a pickleball match and they got defeated by the grandmother because you know it's become quite popular among the age group. And, you know, there are people who play this game all the time. Well, I'll tell you, I mean, from what I understand, I'm, I'm in the same boat as you. I have all the equipment I've yet to play. Um, it's supposedly very easy to pick up um, and very addictive once you do pick it up. And obviously by the evidence of uh, grandma, Nana yes. over there taking some high school boys out <laughs> to the woodshed, you don't have to be young and spry to be really good at it. No, that's true. She was, according to my son, she was hitting all kinds of crazy serves. She was basically serving up aces. She couldn't, they couldn't even hit them. You know, there was spin on it. They were curving. They were moving this way and that. It was pretty yeah. wild. So Good for her. Good for her. Hey, uh, before I get to, um, I, you got some, you got some stuff to talk about, about some top ranked, I'm sure. But uh, one other thing, referencing back to a past podcast uh we had mm -hmm. great rains from rains hospitality not too long ago on the podcast but uh the golf course um waynesville inn and golf club 
in Waynesville, North Carolina, is now open. Bobby Weed uh, from Bobby Weed, Weed Golf Designs uh, did a total remodel. Uh, the golf course is um, spectacular. And I believe it's a Donald Ross as well. Uh, yes. uh, Mid 1920s, right. 1926, maybe. I'm, I'm, I didn't write. I didn't write notes down. I'm just kind of going off the top of my head. Uh, Bobby Weed, uh, who's um, an expert in Donald Ross designs, but uh, it's got everything and um, also um, different accommodations, which, uh, as evidenced the name in, there is uh, a. Uh, 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 more of a hospitality side to it. This is a uh, Rain's hospitality is in that uh, industry. This is the first foray into golf, and uh, Gray Rain's is a big golfer. Uh, so I got to get down to North Carolina and see this course and this property for myself. But uh, it's supposed to be spectacular, and uh, Bobby Weed uh, does fantastic work. I'm also intrigued. I noticed. I actually made note about that same story, Rob. I was noticed there's a. It makes mention of a wedge course. Is that right? So there's a course you can play. I mean, is that just a practice range or is that actually a, a course? No, if you understand, it is a, um, it's just a short course, little mm -hmm. short holes within the facility. Uh, just take your wedge and a putter out there and, and, uh, yeah. and traverse the, uh, the short course. Uh, just, you know, more entryways than golf. Uh, advanced golfers can get some work on their wedge game. Beginners mm -hmm. can go out there and, um, and not be intimidated by a 550 yard par five. Uh, with all kinds of water and hazards so yeah it's uh, right. another one of the amenities there a lot a lot of stuff going down down going on down in uh, North Carolina that that calls to mind back to my visit to Warren Valley that um, the gentleman Brian who who had given me the tour of the course as we were talking about he was discussing the the creation of that of a again I, I call it a chipping pitching it's really I guess a pitching range if you will because you could basically hit shots from 100 yards in in this area uh, leading up to the green. And he and I discussed the fact that really <laughs> that might be the best kind of driving range there is. You know, everybody likes to go out to a driving range and see how long they can hit the ball off the tee. But the the bread and butter, the, the way you're going to improve your score the most is to is practice shots that are from anywhere from, say, 50 to 100 yards you know, into the green. And, and that's the way to go with that. Um, so, yeah, good to see that that's. I mean, it's true. It's it's a good entry point for people who are new to the game, but for people who have played for a long time and looking to improve their score a bit, it's a great way to do that as well. Work on those types of shots. Yeah. Amen. Amen. So what's going on in the world of top ranked? Top ranked as uh, well. Um, we just put out the August issue and we had our annual list this time of top ranked patios. Uh, digital issues available online now at clubresortbusiness.com and, and the list itself of the top ranked patios is also on our website. Uh, and this year it was Shadowwood Country Club in Estero, Florida that earned the top ranking on the list of top ranked patios. Uh, they, they actually ranked ninth last year, moved up to number one this year. And I recently had a chance to speak with uh, Danita Osborne. She's director of membership and marketing at Shadowwood Country Club. And we discussed what it meant for the club to earn the honor. Uh, also focused a lot on the two patio projects that the club did last year. There was one of which, <clears throat> excuse me, one was an expansion of an existing patio. Other was a construction of a completely new one. And she discussed how they'd like to have, have a tropical theme and feeling at the on the patios. Uh, efforts are also kind of made to make a create a strong connection between members and club staffers 
Uh, I'm sure a lot of those things all had to do with them earning that number one ranking. Uh, she said those improvements too have led to an increased popularity in outdoor dining there. Pop and the patios themselves are the, the most popular gathering place now for the members. So real, really a great uh, success story for them there at Shadowwood Country Club. Going from nine to one, they must have done something right. And yes, right. Uh, I bet our um, our viewers are going to be interested in uh, hearing more from Danita. So let's get to it. Let's let's roll that tape. The August issue of Club and Resort Business included our annual list of top-ranked patios. This year, Shadowwood Country Club in Estero, Florida, earned the number one ranking on our yearly listing. Shadowwood ranked ninth on the 2022 list, so they moved up and uh, earned the top honors this year. Joining me to talk about this honor is Danita Osborne. She's the Director of Membership and Marketing at Shadowwood Country Club. Danita, thanks for joining us on Club and Resort Talks. Hi, Bill. Thanks so much for having us. Oh, you're welcome. My pleasure. First of all, congratulations on earning the top honor in this year's listing. Very exciting news. Thank I'm you. Sure. It is very exciting. <laughs> and tell us a little bit, uh, what does it mean to you and your staff to receive this honor? You know, we have so many things that we do around here that are so member focused, and we love getting our member feedback. Our members tell us it's great but we don't often get outside of our own bubble here. So it's really nice to kind of step back and receive this recognition nationally in line with our peers to know that we are doing something amazing that more than just our members can appreciate. Great, great. And as I understand it, uh, in looking at the information that we put together for the, the August issue of Club and Resort Business, which is out now, um, you had two patio projects that were done in, in 2022. Can you talk about, I guess, two-part question, talk about uh, why those projects were done and share some of the, the details of each project? Yeah, of course. So, you know, it's funny, as you mentioned earlier, we were ninth last year and we've moved up. Um, and I think a lot of that is because of the patio renovations that we were able to complete. And I remember sitting at my desk last year when I went to submit this and I thought, man, next year when these projects are done, we're going to be, we're going to be up there. Um, the, re the real reason we did it is capacity and demand. Um, we find that every time we build something new, more and more members wanna come out and enjoy it, which is amazing. But then with such a large membership base, it's hard to accommodate all of the people who want to dine outside or sit at the bar or meet their friends for a cocktail. So um, the biggest reason we did it was capacity. So we expanded our existing Sunset Terrace by about 2000 square feet. And all of that expansion was undercover and it was like comfortable seated lounge um, where people could, instead of dining, just kind of sit and gather after their round of golf, um, sit with their golf groups, maybe two golf groups could meet together. And then we also expanded the outdoor bar in that area, which more than doubled the seating capacity. We added in a bunch of new TVs out there and then um, kind of top it all off, we added this viewing area that looks out over the 18th hole of our south course. So when we do different tournaments, especially things like our men's invitational with the shootout, the members can sit up there comfortably, be served their cocktails and watch the, the golf or in some cases the, the bocce action that's happening from there. And then um, at the same time, we added a second patio on the other side of our building. And that is adjacent to uh, our brand new golf shop as well as our men's and ladies locker rooms. And that area was really designed to be completely separate for people who wanted to maybe come in right after golf and grab a quick drink. 
but it's also been a really neat place that we can use for scoring events. When we have smaller group events, um, we have a lot of neighborhood events within Shadowwood. So they can have their own sort of private place to meet outside for a scoring party and enjoy the, the group of them together. Okay, very good. Sounds great. And so far, I mean, I guess it probably goes without saying the members feedback has been very positive. But um, can you talk about in particular what what aspects of the, the improvements you described that the members like and enjoy? Yeah. Yeah, and we also do a member survey every year, as I'm sure plenty of clubs do. And we ask a lot of the same questions year to year to see where we are improving or where we need to improve. And in our 2022 member survey, we asked, does the club provide adequate outside, outside dining? And we had about a 70% response set in favor. When we asked the same question this year, that number went to 93%. So just by the members generally telling us, are we providing what you're looking for? I mean, 93% is pretty incredible. I don't know what we're gonna do with the other 7% of our members, but <laughs> we're, we're pretty happy with those numbers. Um, but I'd say that the biggest thing that they are really excited about um, in terms of the improvement is the covered areas, because we're here in Southwest Florida, it gets hot. They wanna spend the time outside, but they don't necessarily wanna be baking in the sun. So to have so much covered area, um, especially coming in after you know spending four hours on the golf course, they don't necessarily want to be out in the sun, but they want to enjoy the fresh air. So I think that's been probably the most well-received part of the improvements that we've done. Okay. And interesting, you're mentioning talking about um, outdoor seating areas and everything. Um, I noticed too, for our article, when we uh, put this in the August issue, you had mentioned, or actually, I think this was even in the entry for uh, top patios. You said Shadowwood now serves as many meals outdoors as indoors every night mm -hmm. of the week, and it's become the most popular uh, venue for club members to gather. It was were both of those items the you know more outdoor meals as well as uh, making it the, the top place for members to gather? Were both of those goals in mind when you set out to do it, or did it kind of happen? organically, if you will. I would say one of those goals is what we had in mind, and that's to have a spot for members to gather. I don't think it was anybody's intention to start serving so many more meals outside. Um, and we've done this patio project sort of in phases. And when we first did the expansion a couple of years ago, we didn't have covered areas. And then we quickly realized that's what they wanted. So we added that in. And I think that's really been a driver for people being more interested in eating outside It's because now there's a more of a comfortable environment. Um, certainly wasn't the intention. And after we built the patio expansion, we had to put out a new service station outside because there were so many more people dining outside and we needed our servers to have access to a POS system and the different things that they need in order to provide the service. One, one question that comes to mind too, and I hate, I hate to put you on the spot about a number and if we're not sure it's okay. What about, or can you maybe talk about how much capacity for the outdoor area has increased, if you will? I don't know if you, how, what specific numbers you can um, share or even just an estimate, just yeah, out of curiosity it's, since we're talking about It's pretty about much that. doubled in the last two years. So we had previously been able to accommodate about 300 or so covers outside a day. We're now doing about 600 covers every day in season. Uh, we're very seasonal. So this time of year, for example, there's probably nobody outside. We're, we're enjoying an excessive heat morning here in Southwest Florida. So 
Um, this is not our time of year, but in the season, it's probably about 600 people, uh, 600 covers that we're able to serve outside every day. Oh, wow. Okay, very good. So, and on the service side of things, I thought it was interesting to notice that the club will, um, you'll schedule certain staff members to work on the patio area so they can, um, or it's an effort to promote sort of an interactive, casual connection between members mm -hmm. and employees. Uh, can you talk about why club leaders felt those connections were important? Yeah, I think within our club, we've identified different areas of our operation almost as having their own personalities. So we find that it's best for the members and for the staff. So if we can match them up based on, um, you know, for example, lunch, it's going to be really fast paced. Dinner is a little bit slower. You go into the men's and ladies lounges, you're looking for someone who can remember their name and put their drink on the counter when they walk in. And with the patio, we are really looking for people to make it fun. Uh, this is the most casual spot in the club. It's ideally for people to be able to drop in anytime. It's really relaxed. So we want to make sure that we have service staff out there, our cocktail servers and our bartenders that can provide that kind of fun atmosphere for the members and their guests. How, how have the members felt about that too, about being able to kind of see a similar grouping of staff members from day to day? They, they love it. Um, you know, with being a big club here, we have probably 200 to 300 uh, staff members in season. So for members to be able to come in and see someone who they recognize that also recognizes them back is really important. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And on the, on the presentation side, as I understand it, um, your assistant general manager, Andy Scrivener, he talked about how the patio spots have been designed to kind of give a, a tropical feel. Uh, yes. Can you talk about why that strategy was employed? Yeah, of course. So we're here in Southwest Florida and exactly zero of our members are from Southwest Florida. They're all coming from somewhere cold. We have tons of members from the Midwest, the Northeast, a lot of Canadians, and they're coming here in the winter to escape their weather and they want to feel like they're in paradise. So for us to be able to create this outdoor environment that has a tropical feel with the waterfall features and the swaying palm trees, so they can feel that they have left wherever they came from and now they're in their own little slice of heaven here. So um, the palm trees and the waterfalls are you know, really the key elements of that tropical feel. Uh, it also provides some really nice background noise, uh, really sets the atmosphere and helps kind of separate the different areas of the club. So you're not feeling like you're on top of the golf course or in the dining room. It's, it's very, um, it's a calming kind of noise in the background. And just out of curiosity, was any of the improvements that you described before, was anything done as far as the, the tropical theme to enhance that more through the uh, improvements with the patios? Yeah, so we started a three-phase renovation project of our entire clubhouse in 2019. And the main goal of that, I'm not sure if you're familiar with this term, it's very popular here in Florida, is to detuscanize our clubhouse. Um, we, we were built uh, around late 90s, early 2000s at a time where this Tuscan type of architecture was popular all over the place. And it had all of these arches and the columns and the reds and yellows and um, what we're seeing really across Southwest Florida is all the clubs are going away from that. So we are looking to create more of like a coastal type of vibe throughout the club. So it's grays and blues and lots of bright lights and open natural light looking out at the palm trees. So the tropical feel is really part of the overall um, aesthetic of the club that went through this rebranding of the whole, um, the clubhouse. 
Oh, interesting. No, I was not familiar with the de-Tuscanizing de approach It's a here. very popular word in our area. <laughs> interesting. I just out of curiosity there too. I mean, why, um, what, what had led, what's led to the, the idea of de-Tuscanizing? Why did that architecture style, I guess, fall out of favor from your perspective? That's a great question. You know, that, that might yeah. be something more for the interior designers to say, but okay. we've noticed it not just in our club, but in right. the homes in the neighborhood the, the, that were also built in the early 2000s that had the same type of architectural feel. The people are coming in and they're buying the house because it has really great bones and a great location, but they're gutting right. the inside and trying to bring it up with the, the modern day type of design. Okay, interesting. Huh, I didn't realize that. Very good. Um, one, speaking on, I guess, architecture, anything else are any other improvement projects slated for the patio areas that you'd want to talk about or any tweaks or other upgrades? Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things we're going to do, it's not really a patio tweak as much as an enhancement to that area is this summer, well, probably any day now they'll be doing this. Um, we're going to be adding four top tracer hitting stations on the far side of our driving range that will kind of connect to where our patio is. Oh, so you know, I was listening to one of your more recent um, podcast about this concept of golf attainment and how everyone's looking to do these kind of non-traditional golfing approaches. So it's something we're really excited to bring in. Um, we're going to tie it into the patio so that we can have service there. We can have lounge seating and we can use it more, um, less for instruction and more for our leagues and gameplay and members to come and just have another fun thing to do. Um, and of course, when they have this kind of fun thing to do, they need the cocktail service. They need somewhere to sit. So it was very specifically designed to be able to connect into that new server station that I had mentioned on the patio so that we can service the members who are out there enjoying this new um, golf retainment venue. Sounds great. Yes, and golf retainment's become uh, popular. That was a term when Rob and I did that podcast a few weeks ago, that was the first time I had heard that term when we were talking about a story in association yeah. with that term. Um, and yeah, I, I, as somebody who's, I've been a long time golfer, but I know people who are starting out in golf, uh, there does seem to be a greater effort by, well, clubs, resorts, um, and just other private businesses to do things to make, to make golf feel more accessible to a novice and to somebody starting out. It sounds like that's what you're trying to do with this, with this yeah. effort too, right? Yeah. We're, we're also seeing a lot of our members who are joining younger now, and a lot of them have yeah. families coming down with their you know, they're teenagers or they're college age kids, and they don't necessarily want to go spend four hours on the golf course, but they would love to, you know, play a game on the side of the golf course while be serving a cold drink. Absolutely. Sounds great. Yeah. Well, very good. Again, Danita, thank you for joining me. Uh, congratulations to you and everybody. Thank you at, so much. Uh, Shadowwood, Shadowwood Country Club. Oh, you're welcome on this uh, honor. Um, great achievement. And, uh, Wish you the best for the rest of the summer here. Thanks so much, Phil. Thank you. And we want to remind everyone, visit clubandresortbusiness.com for more news uh, in the industry, to read more about news in the industry, and to see this episode and other episodes of Club and Resort Talks. Take care, stay well, and have a great day.